Fuck me. Fucked up. Ugh. That, ladies and gentlemen, is not a good cough. It's when you fucking leave a stem in there. It's the second time I do that shit. Fuck, that fucking shit sucked. So, yeah. <clears throat> what is up? What is fucking up? It is the cannibal, the cannabis animal, back at it again with another edition of the Blunt Report. That's right. I wasn't going to leave that fucking nasty-ass cough in there, but fuck it. Would have... Alright, <clears throat> how's everybody doing? I hope everybody's doing fucking fantastic on this week. Uh, it's Monday, the 14th of October, 2019. Uh, <clears throat> try this again. Much better. Much better. Yes, we're still smoking on that purple dosi dos and, and, and um, mendo kush because that's what we got left over from the fucking from the last shit. So we are gonna keep going with the Halloween thing, of course. This episode <clears throat> we're gonna be talking about weird happenings in movie sets and around movies, famous movies. Um, one of them is going to be definitely one of my all-fucking-time favorites, and it kind of still scares the shit out of me to this day. Fucking The Exorcist. Now, the only reason why I fucking... I, um... I don't fear it. That's just fucking crazy, because supposedly this is a true story. This happened to a little boy. Won't give, won't give, all, the, give all the details, but yeah. So, also... I'm going to be uh, looking into, I believe, The Wizard of Oz. No, that shit. If you guys are familiar with that... I'm pretty sure you guys have heard that the supposed a there's a supposed suicide in the background in, in the original movie. We're gonna check that shit out. I believe also we are gonna be touching on uh, one of Charlie Chaplin's movies as well, and much much more. See what the fuck we come up with. Sometimes we add let that shit. Sometimes we don't. Today is gonna be about just continuing that horror movie shit because I love fuck that. I look I love, I love all that shit. But we are going to start off with a little bit of news and shit. I know that that Mexico is on the road to, to I believe, legalizing. If uh, I, I, don't, I don't know if it's going to be medical or completely just decriminalized line shit. But I know there's a fucking story and I can't seem to find that shit. <clears throat> oh, yeah. And also... A lot of the times, I collect my data from different sources, different websites, books, and shit like that. And I come up with my own shit. And when you hear me mention my sources directly, because it's not my own shit. So most of the time, I come up with my own shit, I write my own shit, and whatever, do research. And when I take, you know, research and data from other websites, I'll let you guys know. This one coming from marijuanamoment.net. So, this is about a Mexican cabinet member accepts lawmakers' marijuana gift during the legislative meeting, which is pretty crazy. Now, this uh, <clears throat> cabinet member, or I'm sorry, 
Um, this cabinet member received this gift as a reminder where they where she's to, she is willing to take Mexico as uh, decriminalizing drugs and things like that. So, pretty much, um, uh, it was crazy. So, a Mexican lawmaker gave a key member of President Andres Manuel Lopez Obrador's cabinet a marijuana joint while speaking on the floor of the Chamber of Deputies on Wednesday. The gift from Deputy Ana Lucia Riojas Martinez. That's a fuck. Man, the Mexicans always be having long ass names and shit. An independent was meant to serve as a reminder of the Secretary of the Interior Olga Sanchez Cordero's cannabis legalization proposal, which she introduced while still a lawmaker last year. <clears throat> one step to build peace, just one step to build it, is to legalize the use of drugs. A proposal you made. Riojas Martinez said, according to a translation, I bring you a gift as a reminder of that proposal you made at the beginning, because that goes to be that because that goes to be the way to help us build peace. Let's regulate the use of drugs. Sanchez Cordero <clears throat> thanked the deputy and happily accepted the joint with a broad smile, showcasing it to the chamber and giving it and giving Riojas Martinez a hug. So, <clears throat> yo. The U.S. should be following this kind of shit. I'm not saying they should be fucking... Fuck all the politics shit. It's just... They're coming to a fucking... They're trying to meet in the middle say, Look, if you de- decriminalize shit, it might be a possibility that we might lower crime. Whatever. I get it. For the good of, you know, the people and all that shit. So, they could, we could learn a thing or two about this. And the gesture comes days after the ruling. Morena Party's leader in the Senate... Ricardo Monreal said that lawmakers would vote on legislation to legalize and regulate cannabis for adults by the end of this month. If that's not accomplished, the legislator will have met a deadline imposed by the Supreme Court, <clears throat> which ruled that the country's ban on possession and cultivation of marijuana for personal use by adults is unconstitutional. Fuck. The court said last year that federal law must be must be amended by October. Must be fucking amended. No bullshit. So about a dozen legislation, le- sorry, about a dozen legalization measures have been filed since then, including Sanchez Cordero's Mo- Monreal said that he plans to introduce a bill soon that takes into account public input and expert testimony the chamber gathered in the series of ev- events over recent months. That includes a Senate-organized panel that featured remarks from a former White House drug czar who have advocated for robust regulations in legal marijuana market. So I'm gonna go just, just go ahead and stop there and shit. I'm not gonna read the whole thing, but thank you for thank you to marijuanamoment.net uh, for this fucking awesome info and shit. It's pretty dope. I mean, fucking come on, that's that's a hell of a fucking thing. I mean, who knows? Maybe the fucking government's behind some different shit. They're just trying to legalize. I don't fucking know, but that sounds like a fucking good deal to me and shit. I don't know if legalization is 100% the best fucking way to go, but fuck it. So. I want to go ahead and, and uh, uh, talk about a story. It's coming from uh, CannabisNews.com. So, I've talked about it before, about veterans and, and medical marijuana. So, let's just t- touch a little bit on the topic. So, this was posted by the uh, Cannabis News staff on September 24th, 2019. So, Washington, D.C., the Department of... Washington, D.C., excuse me. The Department of Veteran Affairs, VA, is under pressure to ease restrictions on veterans access to medical marijuana to help treat pain and other ailments. Veterans advocacy groups want to know if marijuana can treat chronic pain. 
as well as help address widespread suicides among veteran communities. So, um, y'all know about that shit. I thought I, I was going to do an episode about that. Was not able to because, oh, that's just some fucked up shit, man. Anyway, I wasn't able to, but <clears throat> yeah, man, I mean, fucking the number of, of suicides and the number of suicides of, of, of soldiers, veterans, you know, people in the military is just fucking ridiculous, man. I mean, really. So while 33 states and the District of Columbia have legalized marijuana for medicinal purposes, veterans are finding themselves fighting stigma and roadblocks from the federal government's drug laws. Under official federal policy, VA healthcare providers may not recommend marijuana or assist veterans in obtaining it. The VA, the VA also won't reimburse veterans who pay for marijuana out of pocket. Marijuana is a Schedule One drug, meaning it is in the same category as drugs like heroin and LSD. What the fuck? According to the federal government, it has high potential for abuse and no accepted medical value. Always the bullshit. Until that, that until that classification changes. The VA has said its hands are tied. Of course. So, I don't understand this. If you have soldiers that gave their life, gave their life to the military and to this country to protect it, I mean, fucking come on. They should be at the fucking head of the fucking everybody because they're the ones that gave, gave up their life, you know, their, their, their health all this other shit just just so we can fucking sit here and do this you know <clears throat> if you're gonna if you ever ask me what nationality I am I'm gonna say fucking mexicano 100% down to my dick as they say in Spanish hasta el pinche tope you know what I mean but I respect this country and I respect uh, the state that that watched me grow up grow up I don't agree with all this shit from, from, you know, the U.S. government, but I respect the country and I respect the fact that veterans, you know, or veteran soldiers, people in the military pretty much have gave, uh, given their life, are prepared to give their life and at the fucking ready, though, they're ready for war and shit if, if need be. So that's one thing that I've always that always got to me is like why the fuck would you do that to your own people you know what I mean like people that gave life limbs their fucking health their mental fucking mental health why would you leave them out in the dumps like that that's that bullshit right there and we all we all know this is fucking true you know what I mean they should be up in the front doing that shit so Oh, that just gets fucking under my skin and shit. <clears throat> so the House Veterans Affairs Committee can make strong proposals for us to move forward with recommendations of filling out forms and such. But in the end, we need to go back to the Drug Enforcement Agency, fucking bullshit, and Justice Department for their opinion. <laughs> Larry Moe. Larry Moe, excuse me. Chief Consultant for the Population Health at the VA said during the House hearing in the spring. That opposition is frustrating members of Congress and some leading advocacy groups, and there is a growing bipartisan push to ease the prescription ban, as well as force the agency, agency to conduct research into the drug's eff- efficacy. See, this is one thing that I fucking believe. And let's just think about this for a second. If, if the VA and the DEA and the fucking Justice Department and all that bullshit, and everybody, you know, 
they start studying cannabis because of that purpose for the veterans, it's not to their fucking, it's not to their advantage. One, easy, easy. It's not to their, to their advantage because if they prove that it, ha- it has medicinal uh, properties and qualities and it's good for you, uh, that means that it's good for everybody. I mean, think about it. How big of a fucking hit, how big of a fucking hit would the pharmaceutical companies take if people started not not only diving into the whole you know medical marijuana thing but na- natural cures in general if there is some because i mean i want to believe there's natural cures but i haven't fucking seen one yet you know except for cannabis that one you know the fucking cures cures cancer you know through uh, rso rick simpson oil phoenix tears all that shit it's good for your skin i mean fucking multi use so, I haven't seen any other. I haven't seen any other uh, natural medicine do that. So, I mean, fuck. And if that if that happens, we all know that the fucking the pharmaceutical companies are already dipping their fucking their their fucking nasty ass, dirty ass feet and shit into the medical marijuana business, and also you know making fake shit like Marinol and all that bullshit. So, whatever the fuck it is. You know, fake bullshit. So, and then we all, I mean, I'm seeing fucking, I'm, I'm going to CVS and you can fucking buy uh, uh, CBD, uh, CBD fucking, uh, CBD products. Like all this, all this fucking CBD shit. So, you know, everybody's dipping into it. Imagine that shit. <laughs> gotta help, a, we fucking gotta help a veterans. Real talk, man. Do something about that shit. It's, it's that's that bullshit right there. So, a, a bit of tech, tech news. A weird fucking story, I believe, in, uh, happened last September, I think. And I don't know if it's Japan. Japan or China, man. Or, fuck, I don't know, Taiwan or some shit. It was fucking... It, 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 was, it was fucking crazy. The reason why I say it is that if you guys know of anybody that has ever had a stalker or anything of that nature, you know, that's the fucking... It's the shittiest thing ever. So... I guess a famous pop star from Taiwan or some shit like that had a stalker. And so the way this motherfucker got to her, he, he went to her house, sexually assaulted her, and, you know, just that's just was able to get to her. So this motherfucker, this, he was, I guess, I'm assuming he was on some sort of social media page, you know, she's posting selfies and shit like that. Well, this motherfucker, through the reflection of her eyes, found out where she would be at at different times of the day. So this motherfucker saw the reflection in her eyes and she probably used Photoshop and he saw what train station she would take uh, regu- regularly. So <clears throat> this motherfucker, he started stalking her at that train station, would check check out all the time she would arrive there and all that shit, right? So finally, he fucking got the he got the guts to do some stupid shit, and he followed her home. He groped her, and he fucking uh, yeah, pretty much assaulted her sexually and shit. He didn't. I don't know if he raped her, but uh, it says that he just sexually assaulted her. I don't know the details of it, and it's fucking that's fucked up. So 
that goes for all of you that love to post selfies and shit and, and you know, oh yeah, oh yeah, you know, I'm back here and shit. Fucking Disneyland or some fucking where. That goes for all you guys. All you ladies, all you men out there. If you guys have a stalker, be careful with that shit because this shit, and this shit, this story starts to catch on. People are going to fucking start following a pattern doing that shit. So, you know what I mean? That's pretty fucked up. So be careful out there and fucking when you guys post some selfies and shit because you never know who might be fucking watching. Real talk. Be careful out there, my people. Social media is awesome sometimes, but it's, it's a shitty place to be as well. Let's do a bit of paranormal news, sort of, maybe. So y'all know about Salem, right? And back in the day, they used to uh, they used to uh, burn witches and shit like that for how to say that about water shop, all that bullshit. Get her and fucking all that. So uh, in in Salem, a, a huge record-breaking, gigantic version of the the uh, the uh, spirit board Ouija board has been. Uh, has been set up on the historic Salem Common and shit. Being famous in movies and crazy rituals, mediumship sessions for over a century now, the Ouija board is usually operated uh, with two participants having placing their fingers on something that's called a planchette, which pretty much moves them, uh, move the, moves to the printed uh, letters and spells out messages and shit like that. So this fucking massive thing of fucking stuff Ouija board is 9,000 pounds and measuring 3168 square feet. The board was put on display uh, this weekend at Salem, at Salem Common, where visitors have been left amazed by its huge size. The planchette, or that little fucking thing that you move around and shit with your, with your hands, alone weighs 400 pounds. So that's pretty fucking huge. That's a, that's a big fucking, that's a big fucking Ouija board. So, uh, I have another story, which is pretty cool. If uh, any, any of you guys out there are a, a holy diver, fucking uh, uh, Dio fan and shit, um, Ronnie James Dio, of course. He was a fucking badass fucking singer, dope-ass fucking band, God rest his soul and shit, uh, passed away in 2010, but he has an interesting UFO encounter that him and his wife had and shit. So, he passed away in 2010. Again, uh, as I stated, he's a fucking awesome artist, and not just fucking Holy Diver, I mean, let's get out of just fucking Holy Diver song, let's get into One More For The Road, that's a fucking stupid dope-ass song, so if you guys know anything about that shit, check out uh, One More For The Road by, uh, by Dio and shit's fucking badass. So, the encounter happened while he and his wife, Wendy, were unpacking shortly after moving to New Canaan, Connecticut, in 1978, so Dio caught side of an unusually bright moon outside the window. When I looked a few minutes later, it was bigger. Then it was bigger and bigger and coming closer and closer, he recalled. I thought, oh my god, this is it. The big one. I was so excited. As he watched, he noticed a car driving down the road on a hill in the distance. As the car was coming down, it was just about to intersect with this light. He said, I thought it's going to take this car away. This car is going to shoot up into whatever this thing may be. I had, um, I had batted breath. The car, <clears throat> the car got to his intersection point and suddenly it went out. But it didn't go out as you would take a flame to a blow. It didn't go out as you, as though you would take a flame and blow the flame out where this is an afterglow. It was, it was if someone had taken a black curtain and gone whoosh 
and off it went. So I thought now that I was that that was the presence of a UFO and we were blown away. The next thing in the newspaper, 20 to 45 people saw the same thing and then heard a large explosion explosion with light after it. So it wasn't just me and I know it was that. I mean, I'm absolutely positive that it was that. And quote Ronnie James Dio, crazy UFO encounter and shit. So like I said, uh maybe back in those days UFOs are more common, but I think now that UFO-based technology, UFOs, are are uh, more common from the U.S. government and shit, or different governments all around. So, yep, those are the fucking stories and shit for this week. I'm going to go ahead and start off in the next segment with the uh, weird happenings around crazy fucking movie sets. Uh, let's, we're going to start out with Ex- Exorcist and go from there, so check that shit out. Yeah. So, we will be closing this segment with a fucking bow. baby yeah this bong ain't percolating what the fuck there we go Madre. Fuck. Sweet George Brown. Alright, so. Cannibal the fucking cannabis animal back at it again with another fucking segment here. So, we are going to be talking about crazy weird shit that goes on in movies. This one is going to be about <clears throat> The Exorcist. Fuck yeah. One of the most fucking scariest movies that I've ever encountered, because it seems, back in the day, it seemed too fucking raw, too real, you know what I mean? So, The Exorcist movie is based on actual events that happened. So, let's touch a little bit on that. So, the book was released way after the these events happened. Um, I believe the novel was by... William Peter Blady, I, th- I believe it was Blady or Blady, excuse me if I'm fucking, uh, what is it, butchering that. So, pretty much the, the book goes into detail about a demonic possession of an 11-year-old uh, Regan McNeil, uh, the daughter of a famous actress, and two priests that attempt to exor- exorcise the demon inside her. So, this was pretty much ins- inspired by true events, and we're going to go into a little bit of detail. So, it was inspired by a 1949 case of a demonic possession and exorcism of <clears throat> of this um, this child, uh, no name of course, under a pseudonym, that suffered a demonic possession. Now, Blatty, the the author, have heard had heard about the this when he was a student in a 1950 class at Georgetown University. So, 
The novel takes place in Washington, D.C., near the, near the campus of Georgetown, so that's pretty crazy. And in September 2011, the novel was reprinted and to celebrate the 40th anniversary with a couple of revisions here and there. So, But let's get into the, the actual little details of this. So the name of this child was Roland Doe. Get it? Roland Doe? Ro- just kidding. Roland Doe. So in the 1940s in the U.S., a priest of the Roman Catholic Church performed exorcises on a young anonymous boy and under the pseudonym Roland Doe or Robbie Mannheim. So this 14-year-old boy was born in 1935 and the supposed victim of a demonic possession. And the events were recorded by the attending priest, Raymond J. Bishop. I'm sorry, Bishop. Raymond J. Bush Bishop. Bleh. Subsequent supernatural claims surrounding the events were used as elements in the 1971 novel, The Exorcist, by Weeder, Weeder, William Peter Blady. I'm just trying to say William and Peter at the same time. And this was in 1973. So, in mid-1949... There were a lot of newspaper articles that printed anonymous reports of a possession or alleged possession and exorcism. So the source uh, was thought to be from the uh, former pastor uh, of the family, uh, Luther Miles Schultz. So a total of 48 people witnessed this exorcism and nine of them were Jesuits. So uh, according to According to uh, author Thomas B. Allen, uh, Father Walter H. Um, Halloran was one of the last eyewitnesses, surviving eyewitnesses that participated in the exorcism. So he wrote, and Allen wrote in his diary that he kept attending uh, uh, priest Father Raymond J. Bishop, kept by attending priest Father Raymond J. Bishop, he detailed the, the exorcism that was done uh, on the pseudonymous, pseudonymously identified Roland Doe. I'm just going to say fucking the homie. <laughs> I'm a little too fucking caught mouth right now and shit to fucking even enunciate. So, um, and speaking in 2013, Alan pretty much emphasized that there is 100% proof uh, that the boy known as Robbie was possessed by a spirit. Um, so, uh, a lot of the things were going around. Maybe he suffered from mental illness, and this is a fucking common thing that I hear so much about. And there's just because there's no scientific proof of these things happening, it's doesn't mean it's not fucking true. I mean, come on, give me a fucking break. I, I get the the mental illness aspect of it. I I I totally get that. Understandable from a. A scientific point of view and a doctor's point of view. I, I get that shit. <laughs> but we can't always rely on 100% science because there's a lot of fucking things that science has not discovered yet. So to blame it on mental illness is kind of fucked up. Especially, you know, because back in those days, if you were different, you were mentally ill. You know, and it, that's, just, that's just it. You know what I mean? So, and I think... Before they would try to fucking cure shit like being gay with science and shit like that. So that's kind of fucking stupid too. <clears throat> that's kind of fucking dumb. So it goes on to say. 
goes on to say, this priest Halloran didn't 100% say with certainty that this boy was possessed. He, he said he could have blamed it maybe either on sexual abuse, bad trauma like that, or or, or mental illness. So that's, that's really fucked up to say and shit. So, um, Mr. or the kid Roland Doe was uh, born into a German family in the 1940s. And they lived in a they lived in a cottage outside of the, the uh, they lived in Cottage City, uh, Maryland. So according to to Allen, um, Roland was an only child, and depended upon adults in his household or for playmates, prim- primarily his aunt Harriet. So she was a spiritualist. Introduced Roland to the Ouija board when he expressed interest in it. So um, yeah, <laughs> no. Absolutely fucking not. If you guys know, or at least, I mean, some of you might not believe in this shit and just, you know, are listening to this to fucking humor me at all. Or maybe you're just trying to hear this Mexican's bullshit. But, being that I come from, you know, that a country were super superstitious. Uh, I mean, we believe in all that stuff. Even if you don't believe in this shit, even if it's not real to you, why would you even go fuck with this shit, right? Especially when you're younger. Kids are so susceptible to that because they're so innocent. Their energy is more. Their energy is more pure. More. It's less. It's less like our energy. Our energy is more different. It's not as pure. It's not as, you know, it's not as helpful. Young kids, uh, you know, babies, you know, small kids that are growing up and stuff. Not, some of them have mental issues. I get it. And that's really fucked up. And I wish that could be fucking solved and shit. But <clears throat> usually, not an average child, but a normal child, a quote unquote normal child, you know, they they have this energy, this laughter. They, they they laugh at everything. You know that that's that's just like the Buddha. You know, they laugh because they laugh. You know, the laughing Buddha is is you know it's it, it's it. And these kids are like that. You know, they're they're energized. They're they're they really they truly and unconditionally love at that age. You know, without asking. You know, a lot of them, for them, if you don't teach him this. Color is, color is not an issue. Skin color is not an issue. Disability is not an issue. You know, they, they look at they look at the world equally. And that is very, very, very rare in adults. Because we always have something that's fucking with us. If, if you're not a fucking yogi, if you're not uh, into spiritualism, not spiritualism, spirituality, excuse me. If you're not into meditation, if you don't have something that is feeding your energy and feeding who you are spiritually then a lot of us don't know that might have an inkling of that but most of us don't know that and that energy that energy is so powerful so positive and so innocent that either living things or spirits or demons prey on that what happens when when a kid is innocent Sometimes he gets taken advantage of. He gets abused. Because he doesn't know any better. What happens 
with spiritual possession the same way. They have this energy, this light about them that fucking whatever negative energy that's around fucking hates it. Understand that. If you don't understand anything, understand this. You are fucking energy. You attract what you put out. So the kind of energy you put out is the kind of energy that you attract. You get back. It's a cycle. So, you know, thoughts become things and thoughts are powerful. There is... It's just it. Thoughts are energy. So, when we're on a negative path, you know, we're thinking negative thoughts, hey, you know, whatever, fuck my... My girl's acting up and shit. My kid's doing really fucking bad in school. He won't listen to me. My my boss is a dick. He's a fucking, you know, my boss is a fucking cunt. All that shit. My coworkers are stupid. Things like that. Or the fuck this traffic. I mean, when you, have the, when you get on the mindset of that shit, I mean, it just attracts other bad shit. You know, and I, I know we're getting a little bit off topic, but it's actually, we're touching on that exorcist <coughs> story, excuse me. So that's what I think, and and not only that, you're already as as a, as a child, you're already susceptible to shit like that, and this lady goes and she, I don't think she even fucking knows or she is a good very spiritualist because I would not have my son fuck with the Ouija board. That's just it. So I, this fucking lady fucked it up for him, really. She really did. So in turn, she it's probably fucking her fault because she invited some shit, you know, through the board, and so. Anyway, so according to Thomas B. Allen, after <clears throat> the death of the aunt, the family started hearing weird shit, weird noises, furniture moving on its own, uh, ordinary objects like vases or vases, um, you know, floating, levitating, being thrown across the room um, when the boy was nearby. So, I mean, that's fucking weird. That's kind of, he's kind of like fucking hate and shit. So the family pretty much, you know, went back in the day, of course, what was the first thing you would do? Probably go to your local pastor or priest and shit. So that's what the family did. They went to the Lutheran pastor, uh, Luther Miles Schultz, uh, for help. So he was interested in parapsychology for a long time. And he arranged, arranged for, the, um, for the boy to spend a night in his house to observe him. Observe him. So, um, another partner of his, uh, J.B. Ryan, another parapsychologist, learned that uh, learned about this claim. He himself saw household objects m- uh, move on, on their own and shit. So there's another fucking, it's another fucking um, proof right there. So uh, Mr. Ryan wondered if Schultz, um, you know, kind of maybe exaggerated some of the facts, and. Um, you know, but after seeing this shit, he advised the boy's family to seek a a Catholic priest. So, the um, according to the official traditional story, this boy went, well, had a number of exorcisms actually. Uh, Edward Hughes, a Roman Catholic, uh, performed these exorcisms on Roland at the uh, Georgetown University Hospital. A Jesuit institution, which is, you know, a Catholic. I believe that's what it means and shit. So, uh, when when he was performing this exorcism, he 
the kid allegedly slipped out of his restraints or one one hand um, slipped out of his restraints and he uh, he broke a bed spring from the mattress and used it as a weapon slashing the priest uh, the priest's arm and the and that pretty much halted the exorcism and shit so the family went to St. Louis where uh, Roland Doe's cousin contacted one of his professors at the St. Louis University be uh, <clears throat> A bishop, who pretty much spoke to William S. Bowden, an associate of the college church, so both priests together visited Roland and his relative, in his in his relative's home, where they uh, they allegedly you know observed shaking of the bed, flying objects, the boy speaking in a guttural sound. That's gonna shed you guys, huh? <laughs> Halloween shit, you. Yeah. So, in a guttural voice and exhibiting an aversion to anything sacred. So, crosses, holy water, things like that. Of course, you know, extremely allergic. So, you know, uh, if you guys don't know about this, the classic thing about exorcisms and and uh, and Catholic doings and shit is that anything that has a cross, any holy water blessed by a priest, um, they're... Uh, uh, people that while under exorcism are very allergic to it. So if you guys, any of you guys have seen the um, exorcist movie, that's what pretty much happens and shit. So yeah, it's um <clears throat> this this story just fucking. I think this fucking sounds way more fucking scarier than the fucking actual uh, exorcism movie and shit. So uh, the the exorcism took place at the Alexian Brothers Hospital in South Saint, South Saint Louis, Missouri. Which, uh, uh, before the next uh, exorcism ritual began, there's another priest, uh, Walter Halloran, who was called, the guy, fucking skeptic and shit, who was called uh, by, to the psychiatric wing of the hospital, where he was asked to assist Bowden. So, uh, William Van Roo, a third priest, or Catholic priest, Jesuit priest, was there to assist. So, we got a whole fucking, a, a gang of priests and shit right there, fucking ready to beat some ass and shit, you know, and again, I know, um, I know there's a lot of shit about Catholic priests and shit like that, um, I respect people's religion, but, you know, I don't respect the, I don't respect the fuckery of, of, of the, of the, um, I don't respect the fuckery of priests, that, that's just pretty much it, so anyway, um, some priests are really good, you know, some priests actually teach the, uh, religion and some just, whatever, Anyway, so, um, pretty much the, you know, pretty much, um, there was, they started doing their thing and shit. The pre, the skeptic priest Halloran stated that during this, this scene, words such as evil and hell, along with other various marks appeared on the teenager's body. Allegedly during the litany of the saints portion of the exorcism ritual, the boy's mattress began to shake. Moreover, Roland broke pretty much Halloran's nose during the process. Probably punched him out and shit. <clears throat> so, uh, so supposedly, uh, the anonymous Roland Doe went on to, uh, you know, live live a live a cool life and shit and all that bullshit. Whatever he said, a rather ordinary life, quote unquote, and shit. So, uh, there's a 1990 book called Possessed. That's a, a the true story of an exorcism, uh, by author Thomas B. Allen. Pretty much, um, 
he, I guess he offers an explanation of today's expertise. <laughs> if you want to call that shit, I don't know how the fuck to put it. My own words, of course. Um, he just put it as, uh, Robbie was a, a, dis- a deeply disturbed boy. Nothing supernatural about him. So, the author of this book questioned a lot of things. You know, a lot of the supernatural things that were went along with this story. That uh, that Roland Doe was pretty much simply a spoiled, disturbed, bully-ass kid who threw tantrums to get attention out of school. I mean, fuck me. That's a, that's a hell of a fucking strong kid right there. Real talk. I've never seen anybody fucking, any kid break out of his restraints and shit. Then again, I've never seen I've never seen any any kid break out of his restraints because I've I've never been anywhere where that was happening and shit. So, so for my son, he when he was uh when he was I think three or two, I think three, he we took him to the hospital because he had a uh, I think bronchitis. Or it was fucking bad, and that fucking that kid man is fucking strong. It it took it took like fucking me my wife and two nurses to, to to hold him down so they could stick a tube in his mouth so they could suck all that nastiness out of his lungs. Anyway. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, this this fucking skeptic guy, he, you know, talks about that shit. And, um, a, a, and something else that I didn't mention is that, of course, along with exorcisms, there is, you know, there's, uh, there's deep voice changes and, uh... Voice changes, really not of that kid and shit, or the person that's being possessed, and they speak in languages like what I've the stories that I've heard and the movies that I've seen and shit like that. Um, they speak Latin, which is you know, Latin or Aramaic, Aramaic, which is Aramaic was which is the the supposed language that Jesus spoke. So, um, yeah. <clears throat> So during this investigation, the um, the author Mark Opsusnik, Opsusnik, what the fuck? Sorry, let me butcher that. If I fucked it up, Stoner. The exorcism didn't take place at three two one zero Bunker Hill Road uh, in Mount Rainier, Maryland. The boy never lived in Mount Rainier. The boy's home was in a, a in Cottage City in Maryland. Uh, a lot of the commonly accepted information about the story is. Um, pretty much based on hearsay and it's not really documented and it was never fact checked so there's no evidence uh, that no evidence father E. Albert Hughes visited the boy's home had him admitted to Georgetown Hospital or requested that the boy be restrained at the hospital to attend an exorcism at at, um, Georgetown at Georgetown Hospital so or neither was he injured by the boy um, by slashing him so that that never happened and shit so there is um, a lot of evidence that Father Hugh suffered a, an emotional breakdown and disappeared from Cottage City uh, community, according to Opsis Nick. Um, individuals contacted, co- connected the incident to uh, that were influenced. <clears throat> excuse me. <laughs> um. So, I guess uh, excuse me. Individuals just started making their own speculations about what the fuck happened and shit. So uh, the the um. Uh. The Rob Doe, or Roland Doe, uh, suffered from mental illness. Um, so, uh, to the priest, it was a demonic possession. Uh, but to film writers and producers, it's just a huge fucking thing to uh, exploit. Exploit the issue and shit. So, um, 
pretty much it, it really goes it really goes uh from there uh, <clears throat> they're stating they're stating that there's no documented proof it's just word of mouth so be that as it fucking may there's still there's still possessions out there there's still you know things these things do happen and if i would I, i've never experienced that but if i if i would never maybe experience paranormal things when i was growing up then i would not have believed it and of course as a young child i didn't know about these things i didn't know what the fuck was going on i don't know why these things were happening to me so i didn't know the connection with kids and, and the paranormal i didn't know about that shit and i ha- it has a lot to do with different things of witchcraft being in my family more my, m- my mother's gra- uh, father's side he did some crazy fucking crazy shit that hopefully pretty soon I will have my mom sit with me and, and I'll record all these stories and I'll translate them of course and uh, I'll let you guys know about these fucking stories they're fucking insane I swear to god to you this is fucking this no joke so I, that that's, that's one um you know um so, being that my grandpa used to fuck with black shit, like, deep black shit, a lot of things would happen in my mother's home, so, that's one. Two, I was born premature, had two heart attacks, and died twice. Um, in a supernatural, spiritual uh, viewpoint, that would be, I think, fucking enough. So, I didn't know until later on that these uh, children are more susceptible to shit like this. So, and, and if you guys even know, Mexico is a fucking, energy-wise, I don't know what the fuck is going on down there, but it's full of paranormal shit, crazy, I mean, if you guys look up just, there's so many paranormal things going on in Mexico, that you guys wouldn't even fucking believe, guaranteed, so, look that shit up, that's why, so, uh, yeah, Pretty much, um, yeah, man, all the supernatural shit's fucking crazy. It's fucking dope. So, yes, that is the fucking story of The Exorcist in a nutshell. Nut. Next, I want to do something very interesting. Um, but let me hit this fucking bottle first. I was like... Smoke two joints in the morning. Smoke two joints at night. Woo! Smoke two joints in the afternoon. Make me feel alright. Yeah, baby. That's right. That's right. So, let me just fucking press pause here so I can cough. Because ain't nobody trying to listen to my fucking coughing and shit. <laughs> Y'all know what's up. So, um, I know I did an episode before about the interdimensional travel and crazy stories about people walking into, you know, a tunnel or subway, whatever the fuck it's called, and, and ending up in a different fucking dimension that different time, crazy shit, look it up, um, it's one of my episodes, interdimensional, interdimensional travel, it's, it's, it's just a kind of, kind of like that, but it takes it in a way different direction, so, if you guys know, I believe, 
Charlie Chaplin. Oh my god, I had to fucking stop myself right there. Damn, this is a fucking stoner podcast. Alright, let's let's go back to the fucking exorcist. Let's go back to that shit. Um weird happenings around the fucking movie. Uh fucking hey man, I'm a fucking dumbass, I swear. Yo, join me in this fucking bowl, man. This is some good fucking butt right here and shit. Real fucking talk. So um the author William Franken wanted to bring the the um the William Blatley, I'm sorry, the the producer, what the fuck his name is, uh, um, uh, William Fritkin set out to bring the the novel of William Blatty uh, to to life and shit. So on the big screen, so there was a, a fucking strange shit going around in this uh, in this movie set. So I don't, I just don't buy the oh this was bullshit. Uh, a, a bullshit story by that priest and shit, Halloran and shit, because I would maybe believe that, but um, it's uh, a lot of things fucking happen, you know. Uh, let's let's uh, uh, for example, the shooting was delayed um, because the set caught fire, pretty much destroying what would be the McNeil's home and shit on the set. So he he prayed he um. Uh, the director blamed the incident on a winged creature with talons. Uh, it it seemed uh, like pretty much a, a pigeon got into the fucking circuit boxes and caused a fire. But um, the uh, the girl's room in the home that was supposed to, you know the girl's room that was supposed to be in the home on the set didn't uh, catch fire. Everything else caught fire, but that that's pretty fucking crazy. I mean, I'm just saying, you know. So, um, um, Ellen Burstein uh, played Reagan's mother, a mother, <laughs> the mother, motherfucker. <laughs> she was actually injured um, uh, when the the uh, possessed Reagan, the girl, uh, throws her on the ground. So the that take was actually f- uh, used in the film, actually, and and the the actual uh, and the actual scream that she gives when, when she's thrown on the ground is actually real and shit. So, I guess she's saying that the injury still bothers her to this day. So, this movie took about a fucking year to to film. So, um, that if a movie takes a year it's and it's not supposed to take a fucking year, then pretty much a bunch of shit happens. So, the uh, exorcist has a couple deaths. So, actors Jack McGowran and Vasilik Mayo Malia Rose both died while the film was in post-production. The crazy part about it is I think one of them had... Uh, one of their characters actually died in, in, in the film, so that's kind of fucking weird. Um, Linda Blair's uh, grandfather, uh, Max von Sydow, <clears throat> uh, also um, uh, died in shit. I'm sorry, Linda Blair's grandfather and M- Max von Sydow's brother uh, died on Max's first day of shooting, so... Uh, also, while uh, f- the filming the son of Jason Miller, who played the fa- uh, father Damien Carras, was almost killed uh, in a motorcycle accident. Uh, one, sorry, when a motorcycle hit him. So, um, while they were filming one of the possession scenes, Linda was thrown out of bed, uh, and a piece of, uh, of of rigging broke, and they gave her back. Uh, a gave her a back a injury. So after the the film's release as well, Linda pretty much. Uh, received a lot of fucking death threats and that uh, the studio had to hire a, a bodyguard and shit to escort her pretty much for six months and shit. That's pretty fucked up. So, 
Um, also, uh, actress Mercedes Cambridge, who played the demonic voice of, uh, of Pazuza, which uh, uh, was a victim of, her, of a horrific, horrific tragedy when her son murdered his wife and children before taking his own life. That's pretty fucking crazy. So a lot of people believe that the actual film was, was cursed and that if you played it through a projector that it was inviting a, a demonic possession. Of course, uh, <laughs> televangelist Billy Graham stated, There's a pow- There is a power of evil in the film, in the fabric of the film itself. I don't know how he fucking sounds, I'm just assuming. When it first was released, uh, the film was pretty much banned in every fucking Middle Eastern country but Lebanon and shit. So the re-release uh, was banned in Lebanon as well and the in Rome audiences pretty much had to fight their way through um, thunder and lightning to, to get into the theater and shit which is that's pretty weird um, um, uh, supposedly a, a lot of Romans when uh, the film was over and they were getting out of the theater they could hear a horrible uh, almost demonic cry coming from outside uh, once the the, uh, the film started rolling so um, uh, at one showing, there was a woman that so she was so fucking scared that she passed out and broke her jaw when she fell. She later sued the the uh, filmmakers and um, saying that it was there was sub, uh, subliminal messages and shit that caused her accident. So, um, yeah, man, that's fucking crazy. And I this is what I heard as well. I've heard of, uh, from different uh, uh, stories that Linda Blair. The, 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 the person who played uh, the girl still fucking uh, crazy shit happens to her like uh, crazy weird shit so I mean I don't know um, let, so yeah I mean fucking who knows man so let's go on with a this is a kind of an internet urban legend so yeah this internet urban legend don't know when it started but it's been out for a while so let's talk about Mr. Charlie Chaplin. Charlie Chaplin was a an actor way back in the day. Silent movies. Um, he was a uh, he was pretty fucking. Um, he was he was the it guy and shit. Back in the day, he was a fucking star, Mr. Fulminelli. <laughs> so uh, he was born Charles Spencer Chaplin, sixteenth of April, eighteen eighty nine, in England, and he died December twenty fifth, nineteen seventy seven, at aged eighty eight. <laughs> So, <clears throat> he was a, a, a English comic actor, filmmaker, and composer who pretty much um, uh, had the, was famous in the uh, era of silent film movies and stuff. Silent film movies, whatever. So, he, he became an icon worldwide he, um, uh, through his uh, 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 character, The Tramp. And he is pretty much one of the most important figures in film history. In, in the industry, so he was he had a career of more than seventy five years. He was uh, he was, I guess, born in and a child in the Victorian era. Um, uh, before his death in nineteen seventy seven, so he, I I think I've seen maybe one of his movies. I think The Great Dictator, which is fucking hilarious. I don't know, I like black and white movies, so that's just me. So, um, his childhood was fucking bad. I mean, he was born in poverty, hardship. His father was never there. His mom struggled all the time with money and shit. And he was pretty much, um, he... I, I'm guessing workhouse is a fucking 
term for you know foster home or something like that twice before he was nine so he wasn't in there and shit he was in there twice before he was nine um when he was 14 his mom was committed to a asylum mental asylum he started performing at an early age music halls a stage actor comedian at 19 he was uh signed to the prestigious fred camel company which took him to the u.s he was scouted for a, uh, for a he was scouted for the film industry, and began appearing in in um, and uh, nineteen fourteen for Keystone Studios. So he started, I'm guessing, as an extra uh, back in the day. Um, he developed the tramp persona and pretty much started getting a huge uh, fan base. He directed all his films, and uh. <clears throat> uh Pretty much by 1918, he was one of the known best figures in the world. So in 1919, Chaplin pretty much co-founded the uh, uh, distribution company United Artists, which we all know fucking, um, I believe, still exists to the day. So so his uh, first uh, feature-length film was The Kid in 1921, and followed by a, a, a Woman of Paris in 1923, Gold Rush in 1925, The Circus in 1928, Great Dictator in 1940. Uh, and I'm missing a couple of them, so it goes on and on and on. So, um, he pretty much wrote, directed, produced, edited, starred in his own movies and composed music for his films. Talk about a fucking jack of all trades and shit. So, um, <clears throat> excuse me. So let's go on to this. Uh, um, let's go on to this supposed time travel in his in his movies so a man by the name of George Clark was watching I don't know if he was watching this movie editing this movie to remaster it whatever the fuck he was doing and he spotted a time a supposed time traveler in a 1928 clip of uh, of I believe that of the circus I believe give me one minute I know if I'm not mistaken it's a circus so so what happened here is I could I could describe to you literally in detail what, what what's going on with this. So pretty much I'm watching the video right now. And there's this and this film is um hopefully I'm saying it right. Uh, there was a bunch a huge crowd in Graham's Chinese Man's Theater where the fucking whatever that is the famous yeah I want to talk about I think it's Graham's Chinese Theater or some shit like that. Anyway, they're filming all these people and shit and. A lady's a lady passes by, and a lady passes by. And she has something in her hand. It looks like a fucking cell phone, and she's yapping away on the cell phone. So I, I'm I'm watching it right now, and she's passing by, and they're they're getting a close up of it. This shit looks like a fucking cell phone, like straight up cell phone. So a lot of the theories that go on with this, with this um, supposed time traveler, is that historians say, oh, she's wearing a hearing aid. Okay. That's a fucking weird hearing aid because I've never seen hearing aids from back in the day like that. I thought hearing aids from back in the day were supposed to sound like old sonograms, like look like old sonograms and shit. You know, like it looked like a fucking like a French horn, the end of a French horn and shit. You know, like a little speaker to your ear to uh, to um, listen to or try to listen properly and shit. So that's that's the excuse that people give. Or the the explanation is that she's wearing a hearing aid. Okay, 
So she's by herself. She looks like he's fucking holding a cell phone in her hand. And she looks like she's talking to somebody. So she must be hard of hearing and delusional. So I'm not saying it's fucking true. But it's just too fucking weird, man. Like, it's too fucking weird. And it looks like a fucking iPhone. It's just nuts. So, of course, what I am not getting is... Okay, let's say it is a cell phone. So, if there was no cell fucking towers, then how the fuck would that work? That's one thing that, that I can't put my finger on, of course. And that's fucking weird. I mean, unless there's some, like, super-duper fucking weird portable cell phone tower you can use or some shit when you time travel. <laughs> I don't fucking know. But, guys, check that shit out. Uh, I typed in Charlie Chaplin, a uh, time traveler, on YouTube. There's tons of videos of this shit. Um, not much to say, really, except it's fucking weird. It is bizarre. Because it doesn't look like a... It just looks some like a square fucking phone and somebody's talking to somebody and I don't know why the fuck nobody's paying attention to this lady if she's delusional somebody would be staring at her or it's just fucking nuts so it could uh, or she could be listening to a fucking radio I don't even know if those fucking radios were existed back in those back in that time and shit 1928 probably like portable radios and shit so y'all check that shit out that shit is fucking weird for real so, let's fucking try to fucking take a hit. Shit. Let's fucking take a hit. <laughs> oh, yeah. <clears throat> Alright, so. The 1939 musical fantasy film... Produced by Metro Golden uh, Golden Goldwyn Mayer Meyer, what the fuck is it? Um, was one of the fucking hugest, biggest films in history and shit. So it was based on a 1900s children's book, The Wonderful Wizard of Oz, uh, by Fra- L. Frank Baum's. So it starred a uh, starred Judy Garland, which she was famous for uh, Gone with the Wind. She played Dorothy Gale alongside Ray Bolger, Jack Haley, and Burt Lahr. So one of the, one of them played a um, scarecrow and Tin Man and the fucking the cowardly lion and shit. So um, there's speculation, and I've I've never seen the uh, fish like the color fucking version of this shit. And I was going through it, and the supposed <clears throat> uh, I guess supposed take or scene excuse me that they that this munchkin supposedly hangs himself and shit so I will say this it does look like somebody is hanging from something in the back because you can see somebody just jump and then I don't fucking know so I mean fuck that's pretty fucked up if, if you know I guess one of these munchkin guys fucking had to take his life because he's that depressed and shit that fucking sucks that really does suck so I'm not trying to you know poke fun at that shit I'm just uh I'm trying to figure out if this is fucking true or not this is just like a little small side fucking thing but um 
I seen the I seen the the video probably like uh, let's see two times, and it does look like somebody's hanging there. So I don't fucking even know. Anywho, anywho, um, yeah, that was some fucking weird shit. So, um, again, we went over the Exorcist and you know the fucking weird things, weird happenings on that. We went over the uh, Charlie Chaplin, time traveler, um, I guess, uh, urban legend, and also the the um, <clears throat> the Wizard of Oz. Now, the suicide in the Wizard of Oz, supposed suicide, it is like I'm 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 thinking towards the end, or not towards the end, towards the middle, because they start singing "We're Off to See the Wizard, the Wonderful Wizard of Oz." Now, it it. When they're going and prancing and dancing down the and skipping down the yellow brick road, the first scene, when they come out, that's when you see the something jump out and something just start hanging, hanging from the background and shit. So, I mean, that's you know that's um, from what I saw and shit. So if if you guys get a chance, um, watch it before that before the singing starts in in the background. If you have the color version of it, all the way in the back, there's like this blue background and shit all the way in the back. And you can see somebody jump out. You just gotta pause it right, um, you know, um, you gotta pause it just right. Now, this is, from what I heard, this is only in the VHS version, like the old versions, not the new DVD version. So, I'm not sure if that's true or not. I haven't tried it for myself, because I've never really been interested in this movie, uh, unless maybe you're on shrooms or some shit. But, yeah. So, uh, those, those fucking three, I chose at random. Those were pretty much the, <clears throat> I, I don't know, for some reason at the top of my fucking head, but there is another fucking uh, movie that I'm pretty sure you guys, you guys have seen, and it was The Conjuring, uh, I, be, I believe it was released on in 2013, and it's pretty much the story of the Perron family. And they're fucking paranormal haps and shit in their home. Now, this this is supposedly based on a true story. Um, the Amityville Horror of Hauntings, or you know, the haunting the, the Lutz family, they don't directly connect, but two people connect both uh, both of these uh, stories together. So. Ed and Lorraine Warren, they they were pretty much famous uh, uh, psychics, uh, and they founded the New England Society for Psychic Research, uh, and both of these, <coughs> um, this couple was became really popular after the the Lutz or the Amityville hauntings, and this this uh, Amityville hauntings and the the Perron family case are both uh, the the most famous cases they have. So, they're saying that movies over-dramatize over uh, both these cases, but I I can't say for the Perron family, but I, I've heard about the, the Lutz family, the Amityville Horror, uh, the Amityville Hauntings, and they have a book out, and, there's, and in that book, I believe that there's stories that are way crazier 
and they kind of they said that they kind of toned it down in the Amityville horror movie. So <clears throat> anyway, so let's just go right into it. Uh, January 1971, the Perron family moved into a 14-room farmhouse in Harrisville, Rhode Island, where Carolyn Roger and their five da- daughters began to notice strange things happening almost immediately after they moved in. So they lived. Uh, it started in a small town. Uh, <clears throat> Carolyn would notice that. Um, sorry, small town. Sorry. Uh, th- th- excuse me. Uh, things started happening little by little. She would notice that her brooms would go missing from one place, and um, pretty much you know appear in another all the time. She would hear something scraping against the, the kettle in the kitchen when pretty much there was nobody around. She sm- she would find little piles of dirt in a brand, or not brand new, but uh, recently cleaned floor. So, you know, I don't know if that's, you know, uh, mischievous or not, but fuck. Um, the daughters began to notice pretty much spirits around the house. But they were harmless, pretty much. So... They supposedly said that there was a there was a few that were really angry. And Carolyn, the mother, researched the 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 history of the home and discovered that it was, um, in the same in the same family for eight generations. That's fucking a lot. And many of them had died under weird, mysterious, or horrible circumstances. So a lot of the children had drowned in the in the creek nearby. Uh, one of the little kids was murdered, and a few of them hung themselves in the attic, which is kind of fucking weird for a kid, I guess. I don't know. Nowadays, we've seen that shit um, a lot more. Kids get, getting bullied at a, at a young age, committing suicide at a young age, so fuck that shit. <clears throat> the spirit that was in the film, uh, Bathsheba, was pretty much the 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 most of of, uh, of um, the worst of them all. The spirit was pretty much, um, I guess, believed to be the mistress of the house, and she didn't. Supposedly she didn't like the mother, because it was it was um, it was like they were competing for the same position in the house, so. Um, pretty much there was a real person supposedly. Turns out that their name was uh, Sheba Sherman. She lived in the parents' property in around the the mid eighteen hundreds, and she was rumored to be a Satanist, and supposedly there was evidence that she had been involved in in deaths of neighbors' children. Um, though there was never, you know, trial, um, carried out. So she was, she was, uh, buried in a nearby, uh, Baptist ceremony in downtown Harrisville. That, so the Piranha family believed that it was Bathsheba. So, um, yeah, that's fucking crazy. So in the 10 years that the family lived there, uh, the Warrens made, uh, the Warren, Ed and Lorraine Warren, the psychic investigators, Made a bunch of trips out there. Um, at one point, Lorraine connect, conducted a a seance to attempt to contact the spirits that were possessing the family. And during the seance, Carolyn Perron became possessed, speaking in tongues and rising from the ground in her chair. So, this is one thing that I don't, I don't understand. I mean, if you're a psychic, okay, that's one thing. But if you don't, if, if you don't know anything about, you know, magic or... Um, seances, things like that. Why the fuck would you go do that? Why would you try to call something? 
I mean, isn't it, the whole point is to try to get rid of it? I don't know, that's fucking stupid. Anyhow, um, yeah, this is, this, uh, this is fucking crazy. I would not, I mean, just from what I know, I wouldn't, um, I wouldn't want to do that. You know, I, I, I just, I mean, that's one thing you don't, even if you don't believe in it, you don't go fuck with it just in case it's fucking true and shit. That's one thing that you don't want to fuck with, so believe me on that shit. Anyway, so let's get to it and shit. So, uh, when they were filming the movie, the Peron family, or Peron family, I'm sorry if I'm butchering that, the, um, they arrived on set, and when they arrived on set, there was this huge updraft of fucking wind in the home, but they were out, they look outside, and there was no fucking moving trees, nothing like that of that nature and shit, so, and also, on the set, when the, uh, mother Peron, or Peron, uh, uh, she was on set, she, I guess, she stated that she felt a presence, and then after she stated that, she fainted, and they took, rushed her to the hospital, and nothing happened and shit, so, that was fucking, that's pretty fucking nuts, so, yeah, man, I mean, it's, it's not, it's not huge, these are just weird coincidences, could it, coincidences around movies and shit, so, another one, uh, the exorcism of Emily Rose, now, there's, I don't know, I don't believe that's a true story, so it's just uh, it's just a fucking movie, but the um, the actress that played Emily Rose and I believe her f- oh, fuck top of my head, and Jennifer Carpenter who played Emily Rose, stated that she felt a presence in her hotel room all the while she was filming this and shit, and her alarm clock would randomly go on and off and and uh, um, change numbers wildly and fucking crazy like so, that's I mean anything weird that that's happening may not be fucking paranormal base, but it would probably fucking be like, damn, this is too much of a coincidence, because you're filming some crazy shit, and all of a sudden, weird shit has to, starts to happen, so, yeah, I mean, you're getting paid for it, but I'm pretty sure in the back of your head, you're like, fuck, what if this is true, and, I mean, who knows, you're fucking with, you, they're fucking with genuinely, you know, weird shit, even if it, it they don't believe in that shit, they're kind of, they're kind of calling shit on, so, by doing a, a fake exorcism, it's still, you're still calling all that shit on, so, I don't know, it's fucking weird. So, the alarm clock would turn on randomly at night and would play fucking uh, Pearl Jam's Alive, uh, if you guys know who fucking Pearl Jam is and shit, and it would specifically turn on the the alarm clock to that song on the lyrics, uh, I'm Still Alive. Which is fucking nuts. So not just once. It just didn't happen once. It happened more. Excuse me. It happened more than once. Uh, um, in 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 one night. So yes. Um, fuck it, man. That's just fuck. That's just crazy. Uh, if you guys watched The Walking Dead or any any other movies that he's been in, Jeffrey Dean Morgan, uh, was in the possession. In, in, I guess I believe it was released in 2012, and he stated that he would see light bulbs fucking uh explode on their own. And really cool cold breezes and shit. Um, while filming the movie, and also after the movie was uh was done and finished uh shooting, I believe the set caught fire too and shit. So that's this that's fucking weird shit, man. I I seriously will not be fucking with that. While filming the Amityville Horror and shit, the twenty the two thousand five version with the uh, um, Ryan Reynolds and shit. I guess, in, the, in, in one of the scenes in the movie, I remember this because I fucking love this movie, um, he wakes up at 3.15, and a lot of the crew members were, <clears throat> were stating that 
they were waking up waking up at the same time as the character in the movie. Now this is crazy because I remember the I believe it's I think it was the the um Emily, the Emily Rose movie. Uh, <clears throat> I believe she wakes up at a certain time in in the fucking AM, and also I, I believe one of the lawyers that's defending the father also wakes up at the same time. So get this shit. Uh, I think uh, maybe a couple days later, what after I watched that fucking movie, I woke up at the same fucking time. That shit was fucking weird. That shit kind of creeped me the fuck out. And get this, George and Kathy Lutz, the original family that they you know that they were that actually were the actors were portraying, one of them that emphysema and um, Kathy Lutz, uh, I believe she she died of emphysema emphysema and George, I believe died of a heart attack in the middle of suing the film crew, that that right there is fucking weird. All right, all right. <laughs> All right, so we're gonna end this fucking podcast episode with the um, the or the uh, the last film which I'm mentioning right now. <laughs> a little stone and shit, excuse me. Uh, the Poltergeist franchise. If you guys seen Poltergeist at all, it's a pretty creepy movie too. It's, you know, for the for that day, I guess. Uh, for those days, excuse me. So um, one one things one of the fucking weird things is that these motherfuckers actually used human fucking skeletons and shit, so I don't know why the fuck you would do that, one, uh, the actress Dominic Young, who played the older sister in Poltergeist, um, she was the elder sister of Carol Ann, the little, little girl, she was strangled to death by her former boyfriend, John Thomas Sweeney, and they, I guess they argued, and it should happen, so, she, uh, was put on life support, life support after the attack, and passed away five days later. Also, the um, the actual the actual um, the actual little girl that played the the um, well the actual girl that played the little girl the girl Carol Ann um, Heather O'Rourke she passed away before I think the third film was released um, after I guess believe uh, septic shock and shit. She was pretty. She died in 1988 when she was 12 years old and shit. Like that fucking sucks. That really does suck. Um. Uh. There was another death. Um. Actress, actress, and activist Zelba Rubenstein, who played the, the small little psychic lady, in the three original three original films, passed away of natural natural cause at, at the age of 76. Her death's not connected, but still, it's um. She was cut down in her prime and shit. So, the um. The, the death of, of O'Rourke, uh, Heather O'Rourke, uh, pretty much gave suspicion of a lot of things. Rumors which pretty much um, uh, n- new cast members, cast members would die. And um, um, the Oliver Robbins, the actor who played Carol Ann's brother, Robbie Freeling, in the first f- uh, two films had died in a car crash and had, had been mistake- mistakenly uh, <clears throat> strangled by the chemical clown doll in the first movie. That's fucking crazy shit. So, I mean, these are just a fucking bunch of weird, crazy shit. So, um, yeah, that's weird. Happens in the fucking studios and shit. So, we are going to sign off with this fucking this hit.
<coughs> oh shit. <coughs> again, this is a fucking cannibal, the cannabis animal and shit back at it again with another episode of the fucking Blunt Report. Check that shit out. More episodes coming. I believe I didn't want to I didn't want to I wanted to do this and then again I didn't want to do it, but fuck it. I'm going to do it anyway. If you guys know about the Black Eyed Children, the Black Eyed Children. If you guys don't know about it, you guys are going to find out on the next next fucking episode of The Blunt Report, dropping pretty soon and shit, hopefully this week. Fucking cannibal, the cannabis animal, baby, back at it again. Love you guys. Stay safe. Love each other. Love yourself. And peace, baby. Smoke some shit.